lecture six part one of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture six on patience as the discipline of the soul part one in your patience you shall possess your souls st luke chapter twenty one verse nineteen we have come to the great problem of our moral nature what is it to hold our soul in our own possession as we have not our resources from ourselves because we are not created for ourselves but for god we cannot possess our soul except in god we possess our mind in the light of his truth and our will in the grace of his love hence when adam fell from god he lost the possession of himself so long as our mind adheres to god in his truth and the will adheres to god in his love we are in possession of ourselves but if we follow the seductions of error we lose the possession of ourselves and if we follow the unreasonable impulses of temper of passion or of sensuality that spring up in our inferior nature we lose possession of ourselves as the body depends for its life and health on the light and air and food which by the ordinance of god this visible world provides the soul depends for life and health on the truth the love and the food of grace which through the merciful mystery of our redemption the gracious goodness of god provides and as our mortal life is only free and self-possessed when we live in light and air our spiritual life is only free and self-possessed when we live in the truth and love of god but that we may be able to abide in the truth the grace and the love of god and to abide in these life-giving gifts with constancy god has given us the grace of patience that by forming it into a virtue we may abide in these gifts with stability and so hold possession of ourselves by patience we hold our soul in the grace truth and love of god by patience we resist and repel the invasions of error of passion of temptation and of vice by patience the will commands and rules the powers of the soul and the fascinating sensibilities of the body patience is the possession of the soul enabling the will to keep the soul in peace and to regulate her actions and desires by the light of truth and justice with a constant view to her final end but only those who have a great love of god can have great patience it is in vain to seek this invincible virtue for our interior regulation outside of charity even the pagans with eyes too blind to see the true god could discover that patience was the christian strength and when the emperor titus condemned the holy bishop ignatius of antioch to torments and death he exclaimed there is no people who endure so much for their god as these christians they endured much for god because they possessed their souls in god impatience is the beginning of every movement that takes away the soul from god 
and so from her self-possession for every evil begins by yielding to some irritation provocation or seduction that breaks into the fence of patience which guards the good and peace of the soul and so the way is opened for the soul to wander away from the light of truth into the delusions of the imagination from the law of justice into the base ways of sensuality from peace of conscience into the whirlpools of passion and from the love of god into the saddening pits of self-love patience is the fence of the soul and within the fence of patience the whole choir of the virtues flow in harmony and peace and unite in the praise of god but impatience is the destroyer of that securing fence st gregory may be here invited to assist our explanation the soul he says holds possession of herself by patience because patience is the root and guardian of the virtues in learning to govern ourselves we begin to possess that very thing which we are this patience must not be looked for in any visible display but in the heart but by the vice of impatience even that light of learning is dissipated by which the virtues are nourished for as it is written in the proverbs the learning of a man is known by his patience proverbs chapter nineteen verse eleven we know then that when a man is less patient he is less instructed solomon has also taught us to what a height this virtue should be carried where he says the patient man is better than the valiant and he that governs his spirit than he that taketh cities proverbs chapter sixteen verse thirty two a victory over cities is the less of the two because it only brings into subjection what is outside of us there is a great deal more of victory in the patience that conquers oneself because when the soul establishes herself in humble endurance she commands herself and is the subject of her own will the great doctor of morals then proceeds to illustrate his teaching by the example of abbot stephen who had governed a monastery close to rieti and whose life and death were well remembered and much talked of in his time of rude speech but learned life this holy man despised all things here below for the love of heaven and would have nothing in the world of his own but gave himself to long and frequent prayer the love of patience grew to such a vehemence in his soul that he looked upon any one who gave him trouble as his friend contumelies he repaid with thanks and if any one injured him in his deep poverty he reckoned it among his gains he welcomed every adversary as a helper to his soul when the day of his death drew on numbers of people hastened to him hoping to commend themselves to that holy soul before it quitted the body some with their mortal eyes saw angels visit him but dared not speak others saw nothing but such a fear came over all that they dared not remain to interfere with his recollection at the peaceful hour of his departure 
but the law of patience is one thing the practice is another god gives the law and the grace to fulfil the law the exercise depends on the resolution of the will he who commands us to love god above all things commands us to possess our souls in patience that we may be in a condition to love god above all things and as it is the work of patience to establish the soul in order unity and peace it needs little reflection to understand that such a state of soul can only be acquired by observing certain rules and following certain methods of self-discipline in this respect virtue is a certain art that calls for the judicious regulation of our powers those who are trained to exhibit their physical prowess with a view to victory have to abstain from many things to command their temper amidst the greatest provocations and to go through severe exertions regulated by fixed rules and st paul has more than once brought forward this example to illustrate the spiritual combat with ourselves it is an arduous struggle in which everything depends on self-denial self-command and well-directed efforts according to the rules delivered by the saints the prize is our present well-being and eternal happiness but when we come to examine individual souls many who have the grace of patience have no method worth speaking of for its exercise to speak plainly they strive at random a sure sign of habitual impatience their patience is little better than a vague sentiment hanging loosely in their souls and is easily blown aside by the breath of provocation or temptation some will tell you that they never can follow any definite rule but do their best in their own fashion if they have a way they must have some sort of rule but this commonly means that they have but little knowledge of what real patience is or of what it is able to do for the soul let them adopt but one rule and do their best to follow it and they will soon feel the want of more it is lamentable to see how many souls there are desiring the better things of virtue who yet never put themselves under effective regulations for obtaining them there can be no great progress in any virtue without progress in patience but these good people so good in desire waste their lives in a romance of unshaped wishes instead of striving by rule for the solid realities of virtue there must be light before there can be reasonable action and therefore certain principles should be fixed as lights in the mind to enlighten and animate the will in the regulation of its conduct we shall first give the principles and then the rules of patience first principle there is an order in patience which is the same for all persons because all souls are made alike and all have the same nature to overcome and that order gives the rules for its exercise it is a primary truth that human nature is weak and irritable and that it has become much weaker in its moral powers through sin but patience is the virtue that strengthens this weakness 
how does it strengthen us what is weak is made strong by being united with what is strong as the body cannot put forth its energies unless it have a firm ground on which to rest and from which to put forth its powers neither can the soul put forth her powers of virtue without a firm foundation on which to repose and from which to act without such a foundation of repose the soul is restless unquiet and changeable it is revealed to us that god is our patience and our fortitude he is the firm immovable and unchangeable patience on whom resting we shall not be moved it is therefore the first and essential rule of patience to adhere with constancy to god and to rest ourselves upon his divine and unchangeable strength for our foundation another great reason for adhering to god is that we may receive from his goodness the grace that breathes strength into our nature the lord is my firmament my refuge and my deliverer sings the psalmist psalm seventeen verse three and again i have lifted up my eyes to the mountains from whence help shall come to me my help is from the lord who made heaven and earth may he not suffer thy foot to be moved psalm one hundred twenty one verses one through three. Second principle the will is the spring and originator of all our free and responsible actions the action of all the other powers even that of the mind depends upon the action of the will which is the prime mover of all it must therefore be remembered that the patience of the other powers and of the whole soul depends on the patience of the will but as we have already explained in a previous lecture the will has two kinds of action it either puts forth its action to what it desires or refuses to put forth its action to what it does not desire and therefore concentrates that action within for example the will puts forth the hand to receive something that is good or useful or turns the mind to some beautiful truth or puts forth the affections to something worthy of affection but the will gathers up its strength within when it refuses to act in any evil or disorderly direction for example when it refuses the eye to temptation or to give the affections to what is unworthy of them it was the will of eve that touched the forbidden tree and plucked the forbidden fruit had she kept her will in her own power she would have kept her patience and therefore kept her will at one with the will of god but that movement of the will by which it refuses to enter into irritation provocation or temptation and refrains itself from them is the principal sphere of patience by patience also the will refuses to enter into sadness that miserable sloth which is nothing but the dregs of defeated self-love on its more active side patience sustains the will from wavering in its good purposes so that its good actions may be calm reasonable resolute and complete neither distracted on the one hand nor weak through hastiness or irritability on the other 
this is the type of patience which we see in our blessed lord and by imitation in his saints at this we have to aim and though we may have many failures before gaining habitual steadiness patience comes in here to endure those failures and to turn them into useful lessons third principle it will greatly help us in managing our interior if we clearly understand and keep in view that our spiritual faculties have two sides a superior and an inferior side or we may call them an interior and an exterior side in virtue of which they look in opposite directions all our spiritual faculties are united in the essence of the soul and meet in the will where the light of god illuminates them and his grace strengthens them on their superior or interior side therefore they look towards god the more therefore we are recollected interiorly the more we can look towards god and be united within ourselves through his light and grace but on their inferior or exterior side our powers divide like the fingers of the hand to their exterior offices and communicate with the body with its senses appetites and passions and through them with the exterior world but in communicating with them our spiritual powers communicate with the weakness of the unregenerated body through which the temptations of the world the devil and the flesh are apt to irritate trouble and pervert the powers of the soul to weaken her spiritual force and defile her the chief then or superior side of the soul is rooted and grounded in the light grace and strength of god but the exterior or inferior side of our powers is expanded like the branches of a tree into manifold communication with the sensual body and the sensible world but as the sap and life of the tree spring from the root which is hidden and nourished in the ground so the soul having her spiritual root in god is by him nourished with life the more therefore the spiritual powers are opened and concentrated on their interior side upon god be it mind will or desire the more they receive of that divine light and grace which ground the soul in fortitude and patience and the more able is the will to resist the incursions of evil we may strengthen this exposition by the words of albert the great in his explanation of the fortitude and maturity of the soul true and perfect fortitude he says consists in the internal government of the soul so that whenever she is tempted to pride envy vainglory self-complacency or sensual delight the mind withdraws its attention and the will its consent the office of this virtue is to strengthen the understanding in the knowledge of god and the affections in the love of god and consequently of our neighbour when the soul is thus fortified she neither fears adversity nor is softened into weakness by prosperity showing again how patience and fortitude are brought to maturity the same great religious thinker says 
that true and perfect maturity of soul consists in collecting the forces and affections of the soul upon god with a unanimous recollection by this means the soul is kept from vanity and the five senses are held aloof from intruding their allurements upon the soul but when the soul recoils from this blessed union with god she is caught in the net of vanity for as ecclesiasticus says all things that are under heaven are vanity this collecting of the spiritual powers on the centre of the soul looking towards god and obtaining the sense of god is properly called recollection it is founded in prayer and carried by patience from prayer into the active duties of life but so far from interfering with those duties it gives a mental clearness a prudence and a force that renders those duties most efficient fourth principle as the strength of christian patience is the gift of god and the virtue results from our industrious exercise of that strength it is essential that it should be united with humility first because without humility we cannot be subject to god so as to receive from him the strengthening gift of patience secondly because god gives his grace to the humble and not to the proud thirdly because without humility we shall trust to some imaginary strength of our own and so be deceived for the proud are hollow-souled and whilst making an exterior show of self-possession that is altogether fictitious are inwardly restless irritable and impatient the fathers teach from their great experience that humility and recollection are essential to patience st gregory calls patience the humility of endurance st ambrose gives patience as the evident sign of the presence of true humility abbot piomen says in the conferences true patience and tranquillity are neither obtained nor preserved without deep humility of heart st bernard says we must always hold that humility is the guardian of purity and the mother of patience st francis of assisium proclaims that where patience is there is humility there is neither anger nor perturbation and st bonaventure teaches that patience which ordains the soul to eternal life is born of charity and humility we might quote many other authorities but these will suffice to fix this important principle in the mind fifth principle the last principle to be inserted in the mind is of equal importance with those already set forth every virtue is perfect in proportion to its patience every act we do whether interiorly or exteriorly be it act of mind or act of will is perfect in proportion to its patience and every work we accomplish is perfect in proportion to the patience we put into it patience hath a perfect work says st james that we may be perfect and entire failing in nothing st james chapter one verse four but as st zeno observes patience is chiefly concerned in perfecting the virtues 
it perfects both the workman and the work nature is hasty and inclined to hurry light and grace like their divine author are calm and deliberate the temperaments of constitutions are different some are quicker and some slower but we should never run before our light or we shall be left to our natural obscurity nor should we hurry on before the movements of grace under penalty of being carried away by self-will into rashness and imprudence in other words in whatever we say or do we must not lose our self-possession we must not let the busy imagination carry off our attention and desires from our present work and present duty if we do we fall into an impatience that confuses the mind troubles the will injures our tranquillity and blemishes the work in hand with our christian light we ought never to be the victims of that delusion so common in the world that only things of a certain visible bulk show and dignity are worthy of patient care and solicitude for the perfection of the workman is far more important than the perfection of the work the greatest thing for us is the perfection of our own soul and the saints teach us that this perfection consists in doing our ordinary actions well but we do them well when we do them patiently and lovingly a method which though at first laborious with custom becomes delightful end of lecture six part one